0: Hey, well, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, to be honest, I'm sure most of us thought maybe this morning with the weather forecast that right now we'd be in our PJs sitting by the fire watching a movie. I know I, I honestly kind of did. It's kind of, um, uh, well, no, I won't say I was disappointed. No, I'm glad to be here. Um, but that's Ohio weather for you, right? That's Ohio. And the truth is, you know, even on non snowy, icy, whatever that is going on out there right now days, you know, there are times. Uh, where it's challenging. It's challenging to get here. It's challenging to be here. Uh, We're super busy. Life happens. You know, it it doesn't seem like that long ago, a few decades ago, they were the only place to go on weekends was church, right, where there was nothing open, at least on Sundays, except for churches. And it seems like now, the weekends are just as demanding as the weekdays are, right? Our schedules are just as crazy, And and we all have situations in our lives where things happen, right? Where you're getting ready for church, and let's just say, hypothetically, your water heater springs a leak and starts to flood your basement. Or you get in the car, and your kid throws up on the way here. That has happened to me. Both both of those things have happened to me, trying to come to church before. Where even a a committed person just isn't always going to make it. They just aren't going to always make it. And of course, we want to be a church that extends lots of grace in that area, lots of grace and understanding that there are chaotic circumstances that happen to all of us. But what if, what if that kind of a weekend moved from the occasional column in our lives to the normal column in our lives, where, where coming together as a church as a Christian body with other believers became incons- inconsistent or rare in our lives? How might that affect how might that affect our growth and maturing with Christ? You know, you hear statistics about the church in America is, is dying, that local churches are closing their doors for good all the time because people don't have the time or they're not making the time or they don't see the value in being connected to a church like they used to. But did you know that on average, maybe not this weekend in America, but most weekends in America, that 120 million people will take off their pajama pants and put on their public pants <laughs> and they will drive or walk or catch a bus and they will go to their local church for a weekend service. And that is I don't know if you know this but that is more on one weekend more people show up for their church service or for a church service in America than for every single professional sporting event for the whole year. And that that says something I think. I think that says something. I think that says that that millions of Americans following Jesus still see a tangible value in being connected to the local church. And that's what we're talking about. As we've been in this series, talking about our four different connects, we're going to talk about connecting with church today. It says connecting with God up there. But we're going to be talking about connecting with church today. And, um, and, and, And why is that so important? Why do we need to do this? You know, if someone just straight up asked you, why why do you give an hour and a half each weekend to be a part of a church? Or why do you go to maybe an evening in the week when you're tired after work and you go to a small group? Like, why do you do that? I find really many people can't articulate why. They really can't. They know it's important, but they can't explain it. And you know, many people, I'm sure, just do it out of habit, just what they've always done. Or maybe... Maybe you say, well, my grandparents went, and they made my parents go, and my parents went, and they made me go, and now I go. It's just what we do. You know, others might come to fulfill some religious obligation to, to think they, they're in with God if they just go to church every once in a while or be connected to a church every once in a while. Have you ever thought why being part of a local church is so important, so important? Because it's true. It's true that being connected to a local church costs you something it costs you something you know, think about all the time that many of you spend here and in your small groups think about what you could do with that time if you weren't here you could do a lot of stuff if you give financially to the church you know think about what you could do with that money a lot of great things it costs you something to be connected to the church but i believe that the benefits the benefits far outweigh the costs The benefits far away the cost. So let's pray and then we'll talk about this more because we need to know, we need to be reminded why it's so helpful in our spiritual journey to be connected to the church. So let's pray. Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your overwhelming love. I thank you for bringing us all here safely today. And I pray that you would reveal the importance of being connected to the church, to all of us today in a new and refreshing way. And I realize, I realize that I'm talking to a group of people here where many in the room have been deeply connected to the church for much of their lives. But would you just breathe a freshness and a newness into them, reminding them why it's so vital and so valuable in what they're doing. And for those in the room who maybe, maybe it's their first time, or maybe they don't have a lot of church experience, maybe they would say they're not even a Christian. But you just give them a desire and a longing to explore what it means being connected to the church, what it could really look like, and to see the benefits of that connection. And I just pray, Lord, we'd all grow to have a healthy understanding of why it's so important. And we just extend lots of grace, because there are those who physically can't be here today because of the weather, but I also know that there are those who, who regularly can't be here because they're maybe struggling with illness or they're in the hospital or they're you know, traveling often for work or they're a single parent right now, you know what their unique circumstances are and you have so much grace for them. And there's no guilt or shame because you go with them wherever they are. Just pray that in Jesus' name, amen. So, So talking about being connected to the church, we have to first define what the church is, right? And you may have heard this before that the church is more than just a building, which is true. It's more than just a building. It's more than just an event, or a location, or a place to go to worship God. It's more than an organization. All those things are true, but it's more than that. You may even heard that the Bible talks about the churches as being a gathering of believers, or the, the called out ones, who are set apart as being followers of Jesus. And all of those things are true. But what I want to talk about today, tonight in a very practical way is that the church is a God-led, interdependent spiritual family. I'll say that again. It's a God-led, interdependent spiritual family. And if you and I want to grow in our Christian faith and in connecting with the church, we have to understand these, thing, these three things are true. So let's break this down. Let's look at each of these parts. First part here, that God, the church is God-led. The church is God-led. The church has always been intended to be God-led. He leads it, and he started it. It was his decision to start the church, and he has always planned for you and I to be a part of it. See, the Bible often uses this analogy of the church being like a body, like a body. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. Verse 18, it says, but as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as he decided, just as he decided. God made a decision to start the church, to create this group, this body, and he decided that you should be a part of it, that that's part of his plan and purposes for you, that it's vitally important for you to be a member of God's church because God says it's important. It's like God drew up this amazing plan about what the history of the world would look like. And he, he took his time to think exactly how he'd put this plan into place. And that part of that plan is for you to be connected into the church, into his body. And ultimately, this, this church, this local church here at VCDC, you know, wasn't started by our founding pastors, Danny and Penny Meyer. And I've—you may have heard them say this. Ulti- I've heard them say this many times, but ultimately, it was started by God. Amen. I've heard them both say, you know, that God said to them, "I'm going to plant a church in Sunbury. Are you coming along with me?" It was God's idea. It's God's church. God the Father is, is in charge, and He put Jesus the Son at the head of it. He put Jesus the Son at head. If you want to know if a church is a God-led church, Jesus is at the head of it. Colossians 1.18, an NIV version says this, and he, meaning talking about Jesus, is the head of the body the church. And then in Ephesians 1.22, and God placed all things under his, Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is, the bod- is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You know, here at VCDC, we aren't ultimately led by our senior pastor, Michael Hansen. We aren't led by a great staff or our advisory council. We aren't even led by our principles. We are, we are and want to continue to be led by a person, the person of Jesus Christ. The way that God designed the church is that Jesus would always be the head of it, that, that he would be guiding it. And what Jesus says through scripture and what Jesus says to the Holy Spirit, that he gets to be at the helm of determining the direction we're going in the way we do church. And I hear people say sometimes, you know, I got, I got no problems with Jesus. I like Jesus. I can follow Jesus, but it's, it's the church I have a problem with. It's, it's organized religion. It's, it's, it's the people that rub me the wrong way. But, but there's a flaw in this thinking. There's a flaw in this thing. You see, if Jesus is, is driving the metaphorical church bus, right, and the church is in the back, and Jesus is leading it, and, you, and someone says, I'm okay riding in that bus with Jesus, but I don't really want to really get on that one because the church is in the back. I'll just catch the next bus. Well, then you're no longer riding with Jesus, are you? It's Jesus and the church. It comes together. It comes together. The church is God's idea. So to be growing and maturing in your relationship with God also means connecting to his church. So it's God-led first. And second, it's interdependent. It's interdependent. The church functions properly, and the people of the church are healthy when they are living interdependently on each other. And this this is just on a side note, like really when you start to think about this, when you think about God, you know, three persons in one, interdependent, Father, Son, Holy Spirit on each other. It's a mystery to me, but, but there's interdependence in their relationship as one God. And we're invited into that. And it's, it's not independent or dependent, but interdependent. Our culture, our culture seems to be becoming more and more independent in many ways. Think about all the ways you no longer need people. If you need to deposit a check, do you have to go to a bank teller? Nope. You just take a picture of it on your phone in your living room, and whoop, it's in your account, right? If you don't want to deal with the cashier or talking to anybody at the grocery store, you can take that way too big a load of groceries to the self-checkout line and forget the number, what the number is for bananas, and take forever and hold the whole line up. I've done that before. <laughs> you know, you can do that. You don't have to talk to anybody. I mean, I mean, gosh, even in fast food restaurants. I was in McDonald's the other day, and I didn't even have to put an order in with a person. They said, oh, you, you, you type it in this computer. And I said, well, can't I just tell it to you? They're like, no, you got to go type it in the computer. I, I. Right? It's, it's crazy. And the, the problem is, is independent Christianity is creeping into our culture. It's the, it's the person who says, but Andrew, can I be a Christian and, and pray and read my Bible? And I can, I can download like, world-renowned you know, Bible speakers and listen to them. I'm, and I can listen to great worship music on my Spotify playlist. And, and I, I can just be kind and love people at work, right? I mean, isn't that essentially being part of the big church? Isn't that what I'm doing without really having to be part of a local church? And those are great things to do. But if you aren't connected to a local church, this church or another church, then you're really kind of on the highway to the danger zone, right? Isn't that a song, I think? Top Gun reference, right? You know, if you, have, you have no spiritual help when you go through a crisis. You, you have no spiritual support or accountability to keep you on the right path. The opposite, though, is true as well. It's just as dangerous as well. You know, if we become completely dependent on the church and the body of Christ rather than Christ himself, we are dangerously unhealthy too. When we place our dependence on anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ himself, we exhaust other people around us. We drain them. We, we lift others up onto the throne that only God is intended to sit on. And then we get disappointed when people can't live up to what only Jesus can give us. And we become unhealthy spiritually. And really, really what the Bible calls idolatry. Independent people unintentionally hurt the church. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his famous book Life Together, wrote this. He said, let him who cannot be alone beware the community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Bonhoeffer warns that both extremes of being too independent and too dependent are dangerous. If you're too dependent, the community will suffer the church will suffer. Beware, the community says. But if you're too independent, if you think that you can do without the body or the church, you will suffer. Well, God is calling the people of the church is to be an interdependent people. And this concept concept of interdependence is implied in the Bible again through this analogy of the human body. Back to 1 Corinthians 12, it says this in verse 20. So now there are many members but one body, The eye can't say to the hand, I do not need you, nor in turn can the head say to the foot, I do not need you. Instead, God has blended them together in the body, giving great honor to the lesser member, so that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have mutual concern for one another. What's another way of saying that last part, but the members may have mutual concern for one another? It's that they have an interdependency on each other. There's an interdependent relationship going on. That we need each other, it says. We need those who are eyes in the body to help us see danger. We need those who are of us who are hands, who will help us build up God's kingdom. We even need those of us who are appendixes, that we have no idea what you do, what, you, what your purpose is. But you have a purpose. We just haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> and I'm joking, but I'm serious too. Like, you have value in this space. Even if you Heather talked about purpose last week, and even if you don't know what that is yet, stick around long enough, and God will show you what that is. You have a space here. You have a purpose here. Okay, I gotta get off my soapbox. But the church, the church is meant to be interdependent. It's meant to be interdependent. It's it's mutual concern for one another. It's not a few people doing it all and others bleeding life from the church like a parasite. But it's everybody contributing their gifts and talents the way God has, has planned it to help others in the church. Go ahead and put that, next, that first picture of an oak tree up. You ever see an oak tree like this before, kind of in a field, right? It's just awesome looking. I, when I, when I, I see a tree like that, there used to be a tree near my, my folks' property like that out in a field, and it's just like majestic, right? You know, oak trees are they're big, they, you know, 100, feet t- 100, 200 feet tall. They can get... You know, they can live, live a long, long life. They get, you know, this big around, huge. You know, how does an oak tree survive so long like that? How does it survive like that? How does it not get knocked over in a wind or a storm, you know, for so many years? Well, I'll tell you why. It digs really, or it has really, really deep roots. Its roots go about as far down deep as the tree is above ground to give it balance, to keep it anchored. And that, that allows it to, to, to ride out storms. And, if, and oak trees, by the way, they grow really slow. Like if you, if you want to buy, like go to a plant nursery, you want to buy a tree, you know, put it in your front yard, get some shade, and you want it to have like real shade real fast for you, grow real fast, don't buy an oak tree. And the reason why they grow so slow, grow so slow is because they're spending a lot of their energy growing underground. But they're doing it on their own. They're doing it slowly because they have to do it on their own. It's still impressive, though. But you know what's even more impressive? I find what's even more, have you ever seen those um, giant sequoia trees out in the Sierra Nevada mountains? Giant sequoia trees. Those things are impressive. I'm sure some of you are from the West Coast or if you've ever traveled out there, they can grow 250 feet in the air. They can be 30 feet in diameter. That would take like not just one person, but like groups of people, a whole bunch of group of people locking hands going around it. There are giant sequoia trees that have tunnels through them that you can walk through and probably drive a small car through. They're massive. They're massive. Go ahead and put that picture of that that giant sequoia tree up. This is the most famous one named General Sherman. It's the largest giant sequoia tree, and it's considered by many to be the largest organism on the planet. It weighs 2.7 million pounds, they think. And it has existed on this earth prior to the birth of Jesus. Now, you would imagine that if an oak tree's roots are deep, that this tree's roots have to go even further down, right? They have to be like hundreds and hundreds of feet down. But that's actually not true at all. Giant sequoia roots go about four feet deep. That's it. Now, how could a tree like that survive and not topple over with the smallest gust of wind, with roots only going four feet deep? Well, the reason why is because they never grow alone. You will never find a giant sequoia tree growing around, alone. That is extremely rare. They always grow it in groves around each other. And their roots don't grow down, they grow out. And they intermingle their roots to each other. And they hold each other up. And it is that that sustains them and allows them to grow for thousands of years. They are in, interdependent on each other. That, that's incredible. And the same is true for you and I. If we want to grow and mature as Christians, you want to do it on your own without the church, is it possible to do that? Maybe. You might, you'll grow, probably, yeah. But you're going to grow really slow. If you want to grow a lot, you have to be connected to the church. You have to intermingle your lives and your roots with others. You won't grow spiritually at the pace that God has, intends for you to grow if you try to do it alone. And God doesn't want us to be oak tree Christians. He wants us to be giant sequoia tree Christians. And that means more than just attending a church or any other church. It means participating. It means engaging. You know, what did it say in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 that we read earlier? It says this. Put that verse back up there again. It says, but the members may have mutual concern for one another. The members, it doesn't say but the attenders may have mutual concern, but the members. The members implies active participation. It it, it, it implies interdependence on each other. The church thrives when we're serving in our gifts and talents and are interdependently looking after each other. If you aren't really connected to this church or any church, then you are missing out on those benefits. So the church is God-led. The church is interdependent. And third, it's it's your spiritual family. The church is intended to be your spiritual family. Rick Warren, a pastor and author, described a church like this. He says, a church is not a place I go to. It's not an event I attend. It is a spiritual family that I belong to. In the book of Acts, it describes the very first church in Jerusalem at the very beginning and how they interacted with each other. And listen to these words and how it sounds like a spiritual family, how it sounds like a family. Verse 41, those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a big church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Down to verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to, one, to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Look at the language in that passage. You know, they were acting like a family. First, they were baptized, which means they, they shared this connection of being believers of Jesus and in relationship with God. And and isn't it true that families typically have shared value systems, don't they? Yeah. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They hung out together. They spent time together. They learned together. Every day they ate together in their homes. They cared about each other. Who does those kinds of things? It's not acquaintances. It's not strangers. It's not business partners. It's family. Families do that. These are the things that quality families do, and the church is meant to be your spiritual family. Look, you were born, you and I were born into the human family. We didn't have much choice in that. If you wanted to be a fish or a monkey or a giant sequoia tree, sorry, you're a human being, right? But when you make a choice to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I on the cross, to acknowledge that that we have a debt that we cannot pay. And you accept that free gift of salvation. By choice, by, by your choice, God says to you, now, now you get to not just be in the human family, you get to be in my family. I'm gonna adopt you into my family. Look what it says in Ephesians 1.5. This is the NCV version. Paul is talking to Christians in Ephesus, and he, and he says this, because of his love, God had already decided to make us his own children through Jesus Christ. That was what he wanted and what pleased him. And then in 1 Timothy three fifteen, Paul tells Timothy this. He says, then even if I am delayed, you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. Through faith in Jesus, you become adopted into God's family, and that family is the church. No matter what your earthly family has been like, good or bad, great or messy, you are a part of God's family too. You're an important part of God's family. And notice it says that God had already decided. God had already decided. That goes back to that you were intended to be connected to the church, like we talked about earlier, that God had a plan. Families are supposed to look after each other. It says they're supposed to, to be the support for you and the foundation of the truth. They're supposed to encourage each other and build each other up. And, and I don't know about you, but my life is not always wonderful and not always easy. And I, I believe one of three things are true right now. You are either in one of three positions. You're either in a struggle right now in your life or you're coming out of a struggle in your life or you're about ready to go into a struggle in your life. And maybe you're in a couple of those in different areas, right? And that sounds really depressing. But it's a whole lot less depressing when you know you have a spiritual family around you who wants to walk through it with you, who wants to, to, to lean uh, into you with God. I was uh, watching on, on YouTube this video the other day, it's called, it kind of has an odd name. It's called the Battle of Kruger. Battle, or I don't know if that's exactly how I pronounce it. You can look it up Battle of Kruger. And um, it's a video of someone's cell phone, or they on on their phone. They're on safari. And they're kind of watching this scene take place. And there's these, um, these wild buffalo walking along this watering hole. And what they don't see is these lions hiding in the tall grass. And the lions are crouched down real low. And as the water buffalo get closer, you know, the person on the camera is thinking, whoa, this is going to be crazy in a second here. And sure enough, they get close enough and the lions jump up and they start to chase after them and then they start to attack. And all the the wild buffalo, they scatter and they try to run away. But one young little buffalo gets picked off from the family and the lions kind of pounce on it. And they actually kind of drag it down. And it falls into the bank of the water. And so it's kind of on the edge of this little like bank. And, and the, the lions are trying to pull it up. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you didn't see it, a crocodile comes out and sn- clamps on to this like wild buffalo. So literally, the lions are having a tug of war with the crocodile for this little buffalo. It's not like one struggle right? It's like sometimes it seems like in life you're going through one struggle and then sure enough out of the blue another struggle comes and hits you and you're feeling attacked from both sides and the lions are they're trying to get, away, get it away from the crocodile and they do. They, the, the crocodile eventually gives up and goes back underwater and they pull this, this, this little young buffalo back onto the, onto the land and, but what, what you don't notice during that whole tug of war is that the whole family of, of buffalo have come back. They have, they have come back and they surround these lions. And one big one big wild buffalo with two big horns literally puts his head down, scoops up a lion, and throws it into the air like it's nothing. And they chase off lion one by one by one. And somehow, miraculously, this young buffalo survives and goes back in with its family. That is a picture of what spiritual family is like what spiritual what we need spiritual family for listen i i've known way too many people who would say they know they need to be more connected in the church they know that's true they know they need a spiritual family but they aren't proactive enough to to make that investment when life is good and eventually a struggle comes along and then they have no spiritual family to surround them and rescue them and yes, I understand, God, God ultimately rescues. He does. But He often chooses to use the church to do that. He often uses us to do that. But here's the challenge you know, we, we have a big spiritual family here at VCDC. Not as big tonight, but most weekends. <laughs> you know, over a thousand people call this their church home. And you can get lost in a big family. I think I've mentioned this before, but I have a really big extended family. My dad is one of 14 children. My mom is one of eight. They all have children my age, and a lot of my, my generation has children my kids' age. And so when we get together, it's a hot mess. It's a madhouse. It's crazy. It's crazy. And to be honest, it's, it's hard to have a real conversation with anybody. It's kind of like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, hey, how are you doing? Oh, it's good to see you. your kids are so big. What are their names again? Um, but it's hard, right? You just kind of go around but it. But it's when we all sit down at like individual tables, and I sit down with maybe six or seven of my relatives, and we sit and have a meal together. That's when I get to know what's really going on in their lives. That's when I get to know, you know what they're really going through. And that's how church can be here for so many people, and it's why we need small groups. It's why small groups are such a necessity of really getting to know a few people really well and allowing them to become your immediate spiritual family. In small groups over the years, I have had the blessing of both being the giver and the receiver in many different ways, in many different ways of being a part of a healthy spiritual family. I've been a part of small groups where, where we've helped other people in the group pay their mortgage payment because they're underemployed. Or we've, we've helped pay some hospital bills that they, they are swimming in debt in. You know, I've been in small groups where um, we bring meals to people after they've had surgery or just had a baby. where we've prayed and comforted for people whose kids are struggling or whose children have died. Or, or encourage those who are going through a divorce or, or you know, they're, they're struggling with um, a family member who's in hospice care. Who's, who's, who's about ready to pass away with cancer. You know, it's in, it's in a small family. It's in that so, small space where we get to see the grandness of God's church truly happen. It's in those small spaces where the grandness of God's church really gets seen. Years ago, I was, um, I was in a time with a lot of transitions I was going through a lot. Life was not great for me. It was a difficult season. And I realized I needed to be more connected to the church. At the time, I was attending Vineyard Columbus. But I'll be honest, I didn't really have any relationships or very few relationships in the church. I kind of showed up on the weekend, left afterwards, and didn't really talk to too many people. But I had made up my mind it was time to to go to a small group. But I thought, this is going to be really awkward because I didn't even know anybody who was in a group to go to. And I thought they'll start asking me questions. Oh, are you new to the church? Well, no. I've been here for like over a year, right? And that was just going to be weird. And I remember one weekend, actually, it was about 14 years ago to the day about. I think it was this weekend in January. And um, I just realized, had come to this realization, and, and I don't remember who was preaching, but whatever they said, I was inspired to go forward for prayer. And, um, and this, this young guy named Steve, came up and prayed for me. And I didn't know him. Uh, we later figured out that we had actually had Spanish 103 and, and OSU, had OSU together. But, we, but at the time, I, I didn't really recognize. We never really talked. And he prayed for me. And I honestly have no idea what he prayed. I don't remember that at all. But after he prayed for me, he said to me, hey, are you in a small group? And I just kind of chuckled to myself. And isn't it so true, God, God always gives us what we need right when we need it? And I said no. I said no, but but actually I felt like I need to be in one. And he said, Well, you should come to mine. And so I didn't. Since I didn't have any other, um, you know, invitations to small groups, I didn't know anybody else. I decided I would go. And um, was it convenient and close by? No, not really. It was pretty far away. And I didn't really know anybody except for Steve, uh, who we'd only met like three minutes, you know, of talking there, except for you know, learning how to say hola como estás. That's all I really remember from Spanish class. Uh, but I went. And I remember being really nervous and anxious. And it ended up being a pretty large small group. It was like 25 people. And I, I just remember he, he could tell I think I was nervous. And at the time, I was studying to be a teacher. And so Steve, trying to, to make me feel more comfortable, he was trying to introduce me to people. And he said, hey, you need to meet this one person. She just started becoming a teacher. like She's a brand new teacher this year. And he introduced me to what I thought was the most beautiful woman i ever seen. It turned out to be uh, my wife, future wife, Sarah. We met in a small group that way. And so I kept going back. Big surprise. Um, and uh, partly, I'll be honest, it was because I wanted to hang out with her. But, but also, the truth is, in that, that first year of being a small group, I, have, I grew more spiritually in that one year than I have in any other year of my entire life. I grew more to know God, to know um, my purpose, to, to know what it was like to be connected in community in the church in that one year than ever in any other year I've ever been walking on this earth. And and I often think, I often think back to that simple question Steve asked me. You know, how that wasn't hard for him to do. He didn't have to share the gospel with me. He didn't have to, you know, answer all my questions. He just asked me a simple question. And yes, it was God. It was God who woke me up to this realization, this need that I needed to be more connected into community. And then it was a simple question basically asked by a total stranger. And I often think back to how impactful that simple six-word question has had in my life. Not only in my own, you know, life with my marrying my meeting and marrying my wife and our three kids, but then helping me to discover who I am in God, helping me to discover my purpose and His plans for me, helping Him to discover, you know, my my leading me to a path toward being a pastor down the road. Like that, that simple question changed my life radically. So I want to ask you that same question. Are you in a small group? Are you really connected in the church? Are you involved in some sort of ministry? Do you, do you have people that if you went through a struggle, they would know it in this space? They would know it. Because if you are, then you are living in the church the way God intended it to be, this, this beautiful God-led, interdependent spiritual family. I want to I try something to end off here. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes on, just so we can focus. And not get distracted. If you, if you feel comfortable, you can just open your hands up. But you don't have to. It's nothing magical. But just as a posture of, of wanting to receive from God, I, let's take some time and let's, let's get away from thinking about connecting to the church you know, in a hypothetical way. In a theological way, and let's let's get very personal with God. I want to invite you to have an honest conversation with God for a few seconds here in your mind, and ask Him, God, God, am I connected to the church as much as I think I am, or maybe as much as you'd like me to be? And if not, how are you calling me to become more connected? What are you inviting me into? Are you asking me to make an adjustment in my schedule, maybe, maybe to be a little more committed and making a priority to, to be here on the weekends? Maybe I only really honestly come once a month, and you're calling me to, to be committed to come two times, or, or three times, or four times a month. God, are you inviting me to, and challenging me to, to step in with faith, to check out a small group, to get connected to an interdependent spiritual family in the church? Maybe you, you, you've been calling me to get involved in a particular ministry. Or maybe if I'm honest, God, I'm in a small group, but I'm not really opening up. I'm not really letting ev- anyone into my real life, my real struggles, my real dreams, Or maybe, God, I'm sensing you're inviting me to join your family. Maybe for the, for the first time, this, maybe this idea of being a part of your family is, is something that I realize I really, I want that. I don't know if I have that. Or maybe you've wandered off and, and you sense that God is inviting you back into his family, back into relationship with Jesus. God, give me the strength and the faith to be obedient to you. And whatever way you're calling me into, to take that step, not out of guilt or pressure or because Andrew says so, but because I want to be led by you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, if there are thoughts running through your head right now, those might not be your thoughts. That might be God, God's thoughts wanting to encourage you. God always is encouraging. He challenges us sometimes, but it's always with love. It's never condemning. Hmm. You can go ahead and open your eyes. Why Why don't we stand?